trickier of a drive today than it was yesterday, I'll tell you that much. Uh, went to bed last night after the Badgers got a nice little win over Ohio State, 71-60. to A.J. Stoller with the emphatic dunk at the end after the steal to completely seal it which would send Ohio State's coach uh, spiraling as uh, he did not try to fight Greg Gardo or, as to say, Joe Krabenhoff after the game like Jawan Howard in years previous. But uh, Gardo had to try and calm him down as he's a little hot after A.J. Storr again put that cherry on the Sunday, uh, beating the uh, Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, Max Klesman scoring 18 points as well, all in the second half. And uh, A.J. Storr 17, the Badgers, you know, using a, uh, I don't want to say r- rusty, but... Uh, uh, a tough go in the first half on the road and to uh, bring it all together in the second half. We'll get into it all. Just got to put this out there in the ether. Ohio State's head coach. What a donkey. Chris Holtman. What are you doing, dude? For a second when you said Ohio State's head coach. Not Ryan and then Day. you said a donkey. I <laughs> thought you were definitely going to go after Ryan Day. Because when I think of Ohio State head coaches that people would be upset with, it seems like it's always Ryan Day. Nope, not not in this instance. And uh, maybe Mickey, if she was listening too, thought I'd go Ryan Day. No, no. Uh, Chris Holtman, AJ Store. Oh, 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 oh. oh I had, a little, had a little music playing there. That's, uh, that's my bad right there. Come on. Uh, uh, let me just, let me say oopsies of that one. Here you go. AJ Store. 16 seconds to go in a takeaway. Store to the other end. And the exclamation point. Oh, my gosh, And the Badgers are going to run out of here with a huge road win in conference play. Up nine with 16 seconds left. Ohio State's got the ball. Chucky Hepburn pokes the ball out. AJ Store grabs it and flushes it down with a big old dunk. Greg Gard, if you watch the broadcast, you see Greg Gard working his way to uh, the middle of the court, and Chris Holtman is just losing his mind that how dare A.J. Storr dunk it with 16, well, then at the time it was 12 seconds left. Dude, you're up by nine in a close game, a hard-fought game by the Badgers. They had to come back and beat that. You know, Max Klesman hit all his points in the second half, by the way. Uh, A.J. Storr, most of them in the first half. What is wrong with throwing down a nice little dunk to emphasize that win at the end there? Chris Holtman, go away. Yeah, and that was a good hard-fought win. Like, you could tell watching that game, especially in the first half, that you had Steven Crowell that was definitely not 100%. I know that they were talking about his knee injury and the, the fact that he had done it the night before in practice. Well, he didn't look right. And clearly, when he's your leading scorer and rebounder, he was hesitant on the perimeter. He did not want to take shots. He was more... Uh, I guess, willing to pass the ball and just kind of labor up and down the court. You could tell he was clearly limited. But to your point with Chris Holton, the fact that clown Wisconsin wasn't at 100%, yet at the same time, they were able to dig and claw. It was a close game in the first half. It was a close game for much of the second half. And then thanks to Max Klesman going unconscious, not only offensively, but defensively. Dialed in. The Badgers ended up pulling away. And yeah, the AJ store dunk, it was a breakaway steal where no one's in front of them. And there was still like 15 seconds left. It's not like he was doing it with two seconds left. Yeah. It was a breakaway with a clear lane. I act. I probably as like a a Badger fan. Or I couldn't I was, believe he did it. If I was Greg Gard, I might have been able to see if Greg Gard would have been upset if Wisconsin had the the basketball. They're in half court set. Ohio State on defense. He's dribbling around at the top of the key, and there's like five seconds left, and teams start to walk off the court because Wisconsin's up by nine. 
and then he goes in and dunks when there's no one's really paying attention. No one cares. We're we're walking off the court here. Game's over. I could see them being pissed at that. But when it was a breakaway steal with 15 seconds left, no one's in front of you. Come on. Yeah. That was that was the dagger. That was it. That yeah. was the the cherry on top of the Sunday of the Badgers second half. Chris Holtman couldn't handle that Wisconsin has swag this year. Was this team is fun, dude. They are fun. Dude, Max Klesman swag. In the first half when you're swag. sitting there watching them shoot, nothing really would go down and you're just kind of like, well, I know Rob, our, our guy Rob Reichel who will join us Two uh, later coming today. up today. Two. I know he's not the biggest Max Klesmic guy. He's he's more pro Asijin if you listen to any he of those segments. Idol, right? But I mean Klesman's kind of that the tougher nosed. I'm I'm here to play defense type guy, and I'll hit some shots. Well, yeah. yesterday in the second half, the dude scores 18 points all in the second half. And not only that, but he was the guy that was playing defense on Jamison Battle, which I need to say this about Jamison Battle. How old are you? You feel <laughs> like you've been here forever. And so he was at Minnesota for a couple of years. I had to look because I remembered when he was at Minnesota that he had played somewhere else prior to Minnesota. So I had to go look it up. He played two years at George Washington. He played two years at Minnesota, and now he's on his fifth year. Yeah. With uh, Ohio State. But that guy, since he got to Minnesota, feels like he's been a pain in the ass. Because, <laughs> he, dude, he just shoots the lights out. The other thing he doesn't do, though, is beat Wisconsin. No, <laughs> but he's like, he's the reason why Minnesota would play tight games with Wisconsin. Yeah. He was the reason why in that first half, and I think it was Greg Gard on the broadcast said it himself at halftime. He's like, I actually thought we played decently well, you know. Steve isn't a hundred percent. Clearly he's a little limited. The knees sore that kind of messed with our offense at first, but defensively I thought we played okay. And then he goes, well, battle hit a few threes where it, we were right there in position. There was nothing you could do about it. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like he does that every yeah. time he plays the Badgers. He ended up, uh, what, seven for 11 here from the field, four for five from three, 18 points. And I think two or three of those threes were like fadeaways in the corner or a guy with a hand in his face, like pretty tight defense that he just said, eh, screw it. I'm still going to switch this, uh, this shot. Yep. Uh, Wisconsin, though, gets the win. Only team undefeated in conference play, 4-0. Well, real quick about uh, that Badger-Ohio State game. We talked about, obviously, Klesman had the big second half. Steve Crowell was limited. I, I like. I know he didn't play a ton because Steve Crowell gutted it out. But I thought Nolan Winter gave them pretty good minutes. Yeah. I, he's thin, but he's 6'11", can handle the ball a little bit. He can catch it a little bit. I know he hit a three. For being a 6'11", looks like he weighs about 150 pounds. I thought he gave them pretty decent minutes and, and a, the ability to score for a guy off the bench thrusted into that role on the road against a normally talented Ohio State team. RJ. Yo, I have a question for you. Sure. Uh, can you confirm that Nick Saban retired because he was scared to come back to Camp Randall and play the Badgers this yeah. coming season? His last game at Camp Randall, he lost 40 to 10. Oof-da. 40, 40 to 10. 10. That's his last game at Camp Randall? Yeah, 1999. <laughs> got it Got it put in him. He didn't want to come back. He got it shoved in. Yeah. He's like, I 
I can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. I got to retire. I can't but come coach, back to Camp they've Randall. They've changed everything. It's not the same people anymore. Can't John. do it. Uh, you guys have never been there. Coach, they're putting it in a heated field. We're nope. going to have a night game. It's going to be crazy. Can't do it. Got to retire. People are going to hate us. I'm quitting. Saban done. I He's hung it up. can't go north of the Mason-Dixon line anymore. I and can't. then I saw our guy, uh, Stone Cold did turn off and said, uh, Michigan broke Saban. And made him retire. Now yeah, Jim Harbaugh. Wisconsin I'm a little did. upset. It's Wisconsin. I would have liked to have seen the Nick Saban coach, Alabama Crimson Tide, come Alabama into Madison. Rota. It doesn't. Ha- I- I'll say this. It doesn't. It won't feel the same. We'll see who they get to uh, replace him, though. Is he the best college football coach ever? He's pretty darn. I good mean, one. he's got to be right up there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you here's a stat that I saw on Nick Saban because obviously people come out with all these different things because. Everyone's got to say something about the legend that's retiring. But this one I thought was pretty pretty wild when you actually think about it. This is Nick Saban's resume. Six national ta- uh six national titles. Pretty good. Nine SEC championships. Not bad. In 17 seasons at Alabama. 206 and 29. That's decent. Okay. That's less than two losses a year <laughs> over bad. the entire 17 seasons. And you have to remember, because RJ and people that are, are older will remember this, Alabama was in a bit of a lull uh, before they, he took over. Yeah, they had uh, they had coaching issues. They uh, had Shula, Don Shula, uh, Mike Shula, Mike Shula, Don Shula's son, and he was like, eh. And then they, got, they hired that guy who got caught in a strip club. Yeah, like <laughs> Alabama football yeah. was in the Hurt Locker. Yeah. And then Nick Saban arrived, and literally within, I think he had one bad year, and then the next year it was like Bama's off and running. Well, yeah, what they say, every recruiting class has been here. Won, I got that one too. Or in a national championship game? Nick Saban's time at Alabama will end with every single player that played four years for him winning at least one <laughs> national title. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> if you played four years for Nick Saban, you got a ring. So it was five. Was it five at there and one at LSU? Did he win one at LSU? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Okay, because that I was, was, was with gonna, Matt Flynn, I, man. Yeah, I couldn't remember if that was one where uh, Seattle Seahawks legend, crazy dude, Matt Flynn, uh, the grass eater, took over and won that one or not. But yeah, so he won one at LSU so, and then five more. Les at Miles Alabama. won one at LSU yeah. too. But. So, Yes, he was first. Yeah. Over the last 17 seasons, he won a half dozen national titles, 201 games, and 11 SEC championships during the most competitive era of any conference in the 154-year history of college football. He had a team ranked number one at least once during all but two of those seasons. Yeah, the amount of people who are now like, hold on, you can, you mean you can be a legendary coach and not announce your retirement before the season to put all the spotlight on you? Huh. huh, interesting. <laughs> I actually saw another tweet that was pretty crazy because they, they lay out Nick Saban's resume, all the national championships, the SEC championships, all the wins, you know, where he took Alabama. But this one was from a financial standpoint for the university, and they were calling it the, the Flutie effect, where it's when athletic accomplishments increase exposure and eventually uh, increase enrollment. They said when Nick Saban arrived to Alabama in 2007, the enrollment had increased from 25,000 students to 40,000 students. That's a that's a jump in 60% compared to the national average of 10%, but the type of student it matters and it has changed. 
because Alabama went from a majority of its student body consisting of in-state students to the majority now being from out of state. Oh, so people wanted to come here. Yeah. And if you ever go to college and you pay in-state versus out-of-state tuition, there's a big difference. So this is why it's important because those students pay three times more <laughs> annual tuition. Their average cost is 32000 per year versus the in-state of 11000 And it means Alabama increased its annual revenue by hundreds of millions of dollars under Nick Saban. So they said, you know, tie all this together. Nick Saban made about $130 million from his time at Alabama. But he was worth somewhere near a billion dollars to that university. Damn, I was gonna. It's, it's, it's one well, of those, those are out of states. Things. They said that. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna go, go check literacy rates in Alabama before Saban and after Saban. <laughs> well, if they're bringing it out, of states, but yeah, it was out of state. Count. So yeah. I mean, so when, check you, a literacy when you rate. see that kind of stuff, and people are like, "Athletics has nothing to do with academics. It has everything to do with that. That's what lifts your profile." Here's a quote from Alabama's Chancellor Robert Witt. I will Quote, never financially recover from this. Nick Saban <laughs> is the best investment this university has ever made. Yep. We ain't here to play school on the football team. <laughs> that was the one. They were doing that Tiger King meme. I will never, never financially, financially recover, recover from, from this. this. Wow. <laughs> I would still like to see the literacy rates before and after Saban. Or before and during Saban. <laughs> They're still bottom of the <laughs> But Rowdy said it. Out of state. Out of state. Out of state. <laughs> You don't have to pay extra, though, if you're going to Wisconsin and Minnesota. They got, was that? Rep- Rep- yeah. But it costs more to go to Minnesota than it does Wisconsin. Yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> state of Wisconsin. And I don't know why I'd want to trade him being a Wisconsin Badger fan for a Minnesota Gopher fan. That's yeah. just. And I don't know. Just it, go to one of the other campuses and then transfer. And here's the thing. <laughs> I don't get why you'd want to go all the way up to the Twin Cities if you're, you know, Madison area. Yeah, I wouldn't. You could stop halfway and just. Oh, Chill at the Harvard of the Midwest. There you go. Lacrosse. Yeah. You might even wind up being a professional GM. <laughs> or. Or. Grant Bills. Or. You get into porn. Or a football player. Joe Gow. We had. Uh, <laughs> it's your three options. Yeah. We had Bill Schroeder. <laughs> three options. Sports. Communications. Or porn. <laughs> yep. That's what you got. How about this? We were talking about old coaches, right? Bill Belichick, what is he, seven, how old is he again, 70? I think he's around 70. 70? I'll get his exact age here. Bill Belichick is uh, stepping away. Uh, him and the Patriots are Splitsville, USA. He's 71 years old. How about this? Without Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, 84 wins, 103 losses. Bill Belichick with Tom Brady, 249 wins and 75 losses. Does that speak more to the goatness of Tom Brady? Well, I think we also have to take into account when Bill Bill Belichick prior to New England was also in Cleveland. Cleveland hasn't had the best history, especially for quarterbacks, <laughs> but let alone a winning franchise and team post like Jim Brown. Yeah. But I also think you need to take into consideration the guys that are playing quarterback for Bill Belichick they weren't his they weren't really his picks and options that guy plays currently in Las Vegas his name's Jimmy Garoppolo yep remember that was the guy that Bill Belichick had identified that he had liked that he was grooming to be the next guy yeah, Kraft had to step in with Brady and say no no and exactly Kraft and Brady basically 
I guess you would say it was Brady versus uh, Belichick and Kraft being the owner had to come in and take a side because he couldn't ride the, he couldn't, you know, ride the fence anymore. Mm -hmm. And he said, we're sticking with Brady. It got him another Super Bowl. It did. But now you're also here. Jimmy Garoppolo is, is by no means an MVP quarterback. I don't think anyone would confuse him with Aaron (laughs) Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, but he's not bad. Mm -hmm. Like he's a pretty middle of the road quarterback. Maybe in some of his better years might get to like 12th in the league, but he's pretty standard. I would say 10 to 10 to 16 when he's healthy and he has an all right roster around him. He's solid in Bill Belichick's system with that defense that we always talk about that Tom Brady had. Don't get me wrong, I don't I don't think they probably have a Super Bowl, but I think the Patriots are still a, a pretty much a, a playoff team year in and year out with Jimmy Garoppolo had he taken up the mantle at the time in which Bill Belichick wanted to go to him. Yeah. Remember, he was a hot commodity. Uh they had the the 49ers acquired him with Kyle Shanahan cuz Kyle Shanahan liked him. Everyone talks about how Kyle Shanahan is the up and coming. I shouldn't even say up and coming cuz he's here. He's the young wizard, right? I'm here. He's I think he's like 43. He's he's a young wizard, right? Yeah. He was the leader of all the new wave of young innovative offensive-minded head coaches. Well, he liked Jimmy Garoppolo enough to take him and look at what he did with Jimmy Garoppolo. He turned the the, the 49ers around in like a season or two. Yeah. Now that John Lynch also did a really good job defensively. They had a good defense. They had a run game. But look at where Jimmy Garoppolo took them to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Outside of some big Sammy Watkins plays, they probably win that Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. How many times have we seen the 49ers make it to the NFC Championship game and couldn't get to the Super Bowl? How many times were they one of the better teams in the league with Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. and then lost either in the the conference championship, the Super Bowl, or even the divisional round? Like they were really good and they were and he was serviceable. I think if if Bill Belichick would have got his way, I think the Patriots probably don't win the Super Bowl with Tom Brady's last Super Bowl there. But at the same time, they're not as bad as they are. Yeah, totally. They, they would have still been like a 10-win team. They still would have been a solid team. And I think he probably is still coaching them. Um, Our guy J.A. Krebs tweets, in, and uh, happy birthday, Krebs. I hope it's a good one today, brother. Uh, make the kids do all the, the chores on the farm. It's your birthday. Kick the feet up and relax. But he says anyone who hires a coach who is 70 plus are dumb and a dumb organization. Well, Bill Belichick's chasing over what is it, 300 some wins coming up here. Well, that that's the other thing. It's not only it's not only about, you know, if you're building a football team, because if you think about it, I can't see really anyone coaching past 75. I even think that's pretty long. So when you're talking about Pete Carroll at 72, you're going to want to get him in a spot where he's probably going to be a contender for the next Three seasons max. What's the average American male live to, Rody? About 76. <laughs> now, Pete Carroll's in great shape this for is. somebody that's in his 70s. Yeah. But you know what the other part of it is? When someone like Bill Belichick is chasing that record, bringing him into an organization that has maybe not been the greatest here, you know what that's going to boost? Team interest, tickets, money. Moolah. That's still a money driver because it's a name. The dinero. So even if you, you knew you're only going to have them in Bill Belichick's situation, maybe five years, 
that's still going to be at least at least for a couple seasons. That's going to be a lot of tickets, a lot of a lot of uh, jerseys and gear that people will be interested in because it is a name. It is Bill Belichick. All my love for Jordan Love and this guy right here, Rob Reichel, Forbes.com, double dipping on this week. Robbie, good morning, brother. How are we feeling as we are just inching closer and closer to Sunday? We're, I think I'm coming back tomorrow. We did Tuesday. It's a, it's a big week. It's playoff week, yep. right? We're going to get Robbie on again tomorrow. As uh, we really ramp up, I'm, I'm I'm stoked, Rob. I love when you jump on these airways. Cannot wait, cannot wait. No, it's uh, this this is what makes OTAs and <laughs> shut down. <laughs> Rob, is that you, Robbie? All right, sorry, I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> You're like, this is what makes OTAs and. <laughs> this uh this this winter weather i'm 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 acting like an offensive lineman right now evo my car is getting serviced and so i don't bother everybody in the kind of in the waiting area i'm standing outside doing this doing this interview without a coach so rob yeah. you need to go into the service area no, and, and give those no, people no. the sermon of the green <laughs> bay packers you need to preach it brother street preaching of the packers i love it We'll, hey. we'll preach to the loyal listeners on on the on the show for now. How's so, that? Rob, we were uh, so after the game on Sunday. Um, Preston Smith had a very intriguing quote that some Packer fans are like, "Huh." I'm going to read it to you. Joe B's been dialing it up. Joe Barry, he gets a uh, a lot of hell in the media, but we've come together and we play for Joe B. Joe Barry. So I put a Twitter poll out, and the Twitter poll was just this. Packer fans, how has Joe Barry been this year with his defense? Good, average, below average, or bad? Uh, the Leading the way, 48% says below average. Bad is in second place. Average is third, and good. People actually are voting for good, but it's in last. Rob, it's the top 10 scoring defense. They're pretty good against the pass, not good against the run. They're in the playoffs. They held the Bears to 9. They held the Vikings to 10. I know the quarterbacks are a little uh, left to be desired, but how has Joe Barry been this year overall, in your opinion, in your eyes? Yeah, you know, that was Preston Smith and I did, uh, doing a little one-on-one there you. to get that evil. Yeah, the, oh. the, 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 the Packers have this little escape hatch where guys leave the locker room and go to the tunnel to go to their cars now and stuff like that. It, and, and instead of mobbing them at their locker, I, I, I you mob them at their cars. There. I love it. Yeah. Well, I, I just kind of hang out by that tunnel. And then if they obviously <laughs> have to leave, they, they pass you, you get them one-on-one. That's so, awesome. No, I mean, Preston and I had a nice long talk and he, he had a lot to say there too. And the Joe Barry was one of them, but just specifically to Joe Barry, uh, Evo, um, slightly above average, I guess. Ooh. I would, I would, I, I would say, you know, here's where he gets a little, and he's not coming back. Okay. Let's, let's, let's establish that. First of all, I, I talked to a couple people, um, kind of high up the food chain at Lambeau on Sunday about that. And, and, and the consensus largely evil was Super Bowl saved him. Nothing else will save him. So, I mean, if, if, if they beat Dallas and whatever, like go to Detroit and lose or something, don't, still don't expect Joe Barry back. I, I think they'd have to make a deep playoff run, and and they can't win thirty eight thirty five. Evo either Evo, you know they've they, they, you know they're going to have to beat some people seventeen fourteen along the way or something where Joe Barry's defense kind of saves the day. I just you know I Gutekunst put him on the spot. I thought last year after the draft when he gave him his eighth first round draft pick 
to work with. He, you know, he, he talked about how the defense had underperformed and it was a critical year. Matt knows that the, you know, public outcry and the backlash, you know, of bringing him back would, would be a PR disaster, especially Evo. If they, you know, let's even say they win somehow Sunday and they go to Detroit and give up 38 and lose the game or something like that. It would, it would be really hard to, to bring Joe Barry back from that. Um, Evo, you know, just specifically to this, to this year again, um, and I do think it's, you got to look at Joe as a three year body of work and maybe even more than that too. Look at his time in Detroit and Washington where things went so bad. Um, but just specifically to this year, Evo, you give him a break because there were a number of games, you know, he had such a makeshift secondary, but for the most part, Evo, that front seven has been together through the course of the year. You know, they missed Quay Walker a little bit. They missed 59 Campbell a little bit, but the, but the defensive line has been intact. You know, those, those outside linebackers really haven't missed any time. So for the most part, Evo, he's had that front seven, you know, he hasn't, you know, Alexander's only played seven games. Savage has been in and out of the lineup. Obviously, Stokes didn't give him anything. They traded Douglas, et cetera, et cetera, in the back end. So that's been a makeshift unit. So he gets a little bit of a break there. But, Evo, that unit still has plenty of talent. And, and it's hard to get some of those games out of your mind, like Tampa Bay, like Danny DeVito beating you in New York. I mean, things like that. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, Evo, especially when Matt then at the end of the year has to come out and say he's going to get more involved in the defensive side of things. That that's never good for a head coach. So I just I think Joe Barry is you know probably you know one foot out the door at this point in time. He's you know he he's obviously you know going to coach his tail off. He's a, he's a pro pro, but but I, I don't I don't see a lot of this juncture that can save him. All right, Rob. <laughs> Outside of a Super Bowl. All right, Robbie. Uh, on the flip side for the offense, so it was only AJ Dillon not practicing yesterday. Uh, Christian Watson, uh, you know, back at a you know a shorter practice it was around an hour. If Christian yep. Watson is available and ready to go, um, and the Packers have been able to find you know ways to get it done without him, what the, offensively do the Packers do if Christian Watson can do it? If he's not a you know a scratch late, what what happens next? First of all, if you're Matt Lafleur putting together a game plan, you can't put in much for Christian Watson, right? I think. I think in all likelihood you thought he was going to be available last week. At this point in time last week, every every sign was pointing to Christian Watson playing. Had a little bit of a setback last Friday, obviously then didn't play Sunday against Chicago. Evo for you know, for and he's a great kid. Let me state that first of all. He's 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 easy to work with. People love him. Um, you know, he he's well spoken, he's articulate, he is a you know, he is, he is a team first guy. He's a really good young kid from an attitude standpoint, but he's just not reliable. And, um, you know, if, if you're Matt LaFleur designing a game plan right now, maybe you put in a few things where, you, you know, you try to get Watson the ball or you take a few deep shots and, um, you know, try to take the cover off the defense just to loosen things up in the middle of the field for your tight ends and some of your crossers and things like that, Evo. But I, I do not have a lot designed in my game plan for Christian Watson if I'm Matt LaFleur because, number one, I think it's, you know, I think it's still risky with him even up till game time if you're going to get him on the field. And then, number two, the big thing is can he finish a football game, right? Because we've seen so many times in the two years that he's been in Green Bay where he just can't, he simply, simply can't finish a game, Evo. So, I mean, I had a long talk with Watson about that last week, just about what his off season is going to entail. And I'll write that at some point in time, but he's got to find a way Evo at this. I mean, his, 
he's only two years in, but he's really at a critical point. He's at a crossroads already in his career. Um, you know, everybody calling him soft and, you know, believing he, you know, you'll never get more than 10 games out of him and, and things of, uh, to that effect. Evo, he's got to fight, you know, he's an incredibly gifted player. We all know that. Runs like the wind, can run all the routes, et cetera, et cetera. He's got to find a way to stay on the field 15, 16 games in the future, Evo. And, you know, everything he said he's tried up until now, it's just not, just not working in terms of how his body is responding to some of that some of that stuff, Evo, and, that, and that's going to be his number one challenge, obviously, of the offseason, is to get his body to a point where, where he can give the Packers a full season. Rob, speaking of staying healthy and staying on the field, you had mentioned in, in some of our past talks about Aaron Jones, and obviously Aaron Jones is in the last year of his deal next season, and you said some things that actually surprised me. You said you didn't expect Aaron Jones to be back, or both him and Dylan potentially. Is that still true? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, things can change, right? The more information we get, I mean, it, it is, we, we always say it's a, it's a fluid league, right? And, and, and opinions can change. It's going to be a fascinating offseason, Nelly. I mean, I think, I don't think they're going to throw any money at Dylan, first of all. You know, if, if Dylan goes out on the free agent market and, and can't get an offer whatsoever, maybe he comes back to Green Bay on the cheap. But I think some, somebody will, you know, give Dylan a little bit of money to, to be there too, and, and I think AJ is probably gone. Um, Jones is really the tricky one. I really thought midseason, Nelly, it was probably a good bet that that he was gone. He had given him so little. I mean, guys, up until you know, up through week fifteen, so fourteen football games, guys, he was under three hundred rushing yards. I mean, he was at twenty rushing yards a week. Now I get it; he missed some games and stuff in there, um, you know. But but here you are into you know into early December and and your twelve million dollar running back is accounting for twenty rushing yards per week. It's just not good enough. Now in the last three weeks we've seen the Aaron Jones effect, right? He's he's at three hundred and fifty, three hundred and sixty rush yards in the in the last three games. They're undefeated in those games. We remember what he did in week one in Chicago where he went over a hundred total yards. There's four games this year, Rowdy, where he's over a hundred yards total. Um, the last three weeks in week one in Chicago and the Packers are four and all in those games. They're just, they're just a different offense when, when he's rolling. I mean, he's six yards to carry guys the last three weeks. You know, we know he has historic numbers when it comes to rushing the football. Um, you know, he's up there with the Jim Browns and the Adrian Petersons of, you know, the, the all time greats in, in terms of the, the, the amount of total yards he has and the yards per carry. It's really tricky, but 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 my guess now again, narratives can change, Nelly. With we all know what a different offense that is when he's cooking. Um, my guess is he comes back probably on a reduced deal. They're going to ask him to you know trim that twelve million dollars down, maybe to eight or nine, something like that, and then they're going to have to take a running back high because you know he's he's pushing thirty. He's at a point in his career. Where you know you're, you know you're probably not going to get 17 games out of him. You're not going to get 300 carries. So you better have another, you know, another running back, probably a second or third round guy that you can give the ball to 10, 12, 14 times a game. So I think it's a split next year, Nelly. That 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 at least would be my guess at this point. And and Jones, who wants to be in Green Bay, I think he understands the long term benefits certainly from you know going out in a marketing standpoint and doing commercials and 
and bopping around the states and always being a legend. He can make a lot of money, guys, so, five, ten years down the road doing that. So I, I think Jones is back. Rob, let me ask you, you wrote an article yesterday at Forbes.com, um, you know, it, about Jordan Love has to shine for the Packers to upset the Cowboys. Now, speaking of Jordan Love, or uh, uh, Aaron Jones, excuse me, uh, we've seen Matt LaFleur in the past, or Aaron Jones gets like seven carries, and Matt LaFleur's like, oh, it's, uh, it's on me to do better. I didn't, I didn't realize, uh, you know, I had this many carries. I was looking at doing my eyebrows. How, if Jordan Love is to shine, how many carries and how effective does Aaron Jones have to be for this Packers offense on Sunday? Well, I think it's a combination, obviously, of the two, and and you know, and they need all their playmakers to be great. They really do come come Sunday if they're going to pull this upset, Ebo. Um, you know, Dallas is susceptible to the run. Dallas is really good in almost every area defensively, guys. That's a top five scoring. It's a top five total defense. They take the ball away. They get after quarterbacks. You know, they've got the corner. In Bland, who's, who's got the the five, you know the nine picks, five for touchdowns, etc. So you know Parsons obviously is an all time. They're trending toward an all time great. The way he's kicked off his career with what forty one sacks in the first three years. You know, so they've got playmakers all over the all over the field. But the one place they are vulnerable, Evo, is against the run. They're very middle of the pack in, in terms of run defense. And, we, and we've seen again the last few weeks what Green Bay off what Green Bay's offense can look like when Aaron Jones gets rolling i you know matt lafleur gave aaron jones the ball a ton on sunday against the bears i i don't have the numbers in front of me evo but i i think it was the second most snaps of his career and tied for like the most touches he's ever had because he had 22 carries and he had five receptions for 27 total touchdowns so you know in terms of usage and you know how much they worked Jones on Sunday, you know, it, it, it paralleled his career high. I would anticipate somewhat of a similar approach. They're going to want to keep Prescott off the field as much as possible. Lamb, Pollard, all those guys, you know, and, and what's the best way to do it, right? Six minutes, seven minutes, eight minute drives with Jones. They're going to hammer away, I think, with Jones. You're probably looking at 20 to 25 carries if possible. Now, if they get down early, 21-3, or something like that, the game plan is scrapped. But I think in a perfect world, LaFleur wants to keep this thing as close as possible, bang away with Jones. You're not going to probably see Dylan, or if you do, it's going to be very little. So it's going to be Jones. And keep it close, because we know, guys, if this thing gets to the fourth quarter and it's 27-24, all the pressure in the world goes to Big Mike and that group he's coaching over there you know, in, in Big D. Rob, speaking of Big Mike and the Big D, them boys, we're going to really dive into that tomorrow more with you uh, when you'd rejoin us at uh, 820. Uh, you, you still chilling out uh, outside without a coat shivering in front of that uh, mechanics? Well, I'm, I'm chilling outside. I'm not shivering, though, Evo. I, I mean, <laughs> you ain't no I'm wussy. a tough, tough man. That's Born right, and baby. Bred, baby. Hey, speaking I'm, of... You know, I'm, I'm going to go sleeveless tomorrow with you just to... Just, just, just to get ready for the. Big I, want, I want you popping that shirt off and doing guttural screams. Yeah, I want you doing like a Wim Hof situation right outside, like just in like your underwear, <laughs> Rob. You know, chilling. Hey, Robbie. That, uh, that, that I don't know that the neighbors see, need to see, Evo. That, that might get us evicted from our house in our neighborhood really quick. So. Yeah, because of jealousy. Hey, Rob. <laughs> there you go. Speaking of Wisconsin tough, I got to get your take really quick. 
AJ stole her the dunk at the end, you know, driving Holtman, the stupid coach from Ohio State, nuts and surprised he didn't try and fight guard or Joe Krabenhoff. You have the half of the second half of Max Klesman and Badger basketball going on the road, the only undefeated team in the Big Ten. I know you bleed, Badger Red. How are you feeling about Bucky right now? And what's the cherry on top, right? Marquette takes it in the teeth last night again, too. It's, 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 it's becoming one of my favorite basketball seasons ever because it wasn't long ago, right? About a month ago, where Marquette and their obnoxious fan base came to the Cole Center thinking they had a national championship contender. And Bucky, I believe, was unranked at the time, Evo. And now we're probably going to, you know, Bucky can beat Northwestern on Sunday. What we, you know, we do start to talk about top 10 chances of a Big Ten title, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And Marquette's, you know, kind of fledgling in the middle of the pack in, in their league. So, no, it's uh, it's working out to be a wonderful year. It, it's nice when you're as deep as Bucky is, right? When yeah. a kid, like, you know, kudos to Klesman last night for, for becoming the man. They, they got five, six, seven, eight guys on that team that any, any night in particular can kind of become, quote, unquote, the man. Last night was Mad Max, and, you know, Saturday was Connor, and We'll see who it is this Saturday, but it's good. It's nice to see the Badger train keep rolling. Rob, we love it. We'll do it again tomorrow, 820, okay, my brother? Can't wait. Talk to you then, boys. See you, buddy. Rob Reichel, Forbes.com, Conley Media. Rob Reichel on Twitter. The legend. Inching closer and closer to that matchup Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry World for our Green Bay Packers on this day in history. On this day in history. Nine years ago. Oh, buddy. Fourth down and two. Here's one down the sideline. Pass caught by Des Bryant. They're going to mark him inside the one. And a brilliant catch by number 88. Or is it? To contend with the six foot two Des Bryant. You see how high he gets to go up and make a play. Stamps, I haven't seen sticky anybody shield. go up and make plays on balls. Did he, though? Wow. Mike McCarthy, throw that flag, baby. And now Mike McCarthy is looking to challenge. By the way, probably the greatest challenge Mike McCarthy's ever done, which he kind of struggled with. Catch going to the ground. Green Bay is challenging rolling on the field of a completed catch. Timeout. It'll be the biggest call of the game. It came on fourth and two. Is it first and goal from inside the one, or is it Green Bay's ball? We'll get the call when we come back. And we're back. Here's the call, my friends. Mike McCarthy with the challenge of the career. After review, it has been determined that the receiver did not maintain possession of the football during the process of the pass. The ball comes loose, hits the ground. Therefore, the ruling is an incomplete forward pass. That was Dallas's fourth down. They will lose the ball on a change of possession on the downs. It'll be Green Bay's ball first and ten at the 32-and-a-half-yard line. Green Bay will be out of uh, challenges through the remainder of the game. Where's Luis? Get Luis in here right now. i got to play that for him. Well, here's the thing, because a lot of Cowboys fans bitch about it, and I get it. I think he probably caught it. He did. If I'm being completely honest, no bias as a Packer fan. But if they punch it in the next play... You're giving Aaron Rodgers like a minute and a half to go get a field goal. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Rodgers at that time period was prime peak, the best quarterback in the league, Aaron Rodgers. You don't think that with 
a minute and a half left, Aaron Rodgers couldn't have went down and got a field goal for Money Mason Crosby. (laughs) It feels like a game in which, yeah, the Cowboys got shafted, but do you really think the Packers wouldn't have come down and at least gotten a field goal? Because I feel I would have I would have put a lot of money on that the Packers would have still found a way to win that game with scoring at the end. In my heart of hearts, Aaron Rodgers drafts him down at minimum, sets up that field goal for Mason Crosby. In my heart of hearts, I totally believe that. Well, that was nine years ago that the Des Bryant caught it, a fiasco, uh, forever changed football. And then Rowdy, in 2020, four years ago, but on January 8th, Mike McCarthy, his opening press conference with the Dallas Cowboys, was asked... You were at that divisional playoff game. Did Dez catch it? <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll say this. <laughs> Tough question. No, that's all, I'll, I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. Because I, I, I had one time out, and, and I think we had a little over four minutes left in the game, and, and I set it off the game. That was one hell of an athletic play. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I was impressed. Because, I mean, Dez and Sam Shields, I mean, you talk about two two great athletes going after the football. So, but I asked the question in regards to how the rule was written and I was given the right answer by the referee. So then I challenged it. So, and if he wouldn't have answered the question the right way, you know, James territory, I, I would not have challenged it. So I, I think it was clearly a, a the technic, technical rule at that time. You know, Steven has since gotten a change on the competition committee. So, <laughs> You know, so, oh, God, I can't I can't tell you how many people from Dallas have told me about that play. So it's it's funny, but it, it was a great catch. I can say now, but it, it wasn't then technically. So. What a great answer for Mike McCarthy. That's like the most perfect answer you could give to uh, the Dallas media in your opening press conference as the head coach of the boys. Mike McCarthy, man, uh, by the way, if um, now if the Packers win, which I, you know, in my gut, I'm feeling a, a win, hopefully, Sunday. If Mike McCarthy, though, Rowdy, because right now he doesn't have a contract extension. Uh, his seat's a little, I guess, hot, I would say. But if the Dallas Cowboys go on and, uh, God forbid, win the Super Bowl this year, Mike McCarthy will become the first coach to win a Super Bowl with two different teams. Think of that. Big Mike, of all the hatred that he got, could be uh, one of one when it comes to a coach to do so, if the boys do hoist that Vince Lombardi trophy? Well, I think Mike McCarthy in the Mike McCarthy fan club's heart of hearts has always been one of one. (laughs) (laughs) He is, he is the Neo. He is that one. He's the anomaly of the NFL. It's funny because you're looking at him now as the four years ago, he was clean shaven. When you said that, I instantly got a image of Mike McCarthy with a Dallas Cowboys hat on the white beard, the, avi- Peppered. the, the aviator mirror sunglasses, and then the rest of him in all dark, tight leather. And it's an image I don't need to see again. <laughs> yeah, because if you go back into the Matrix, like you're Neo and Morpheus in the game, you, it's a prerequisite that you have to wear the tight leather. Like you just, you just <laughs> you gather with the black Except leather. Except for it's McCarthy with a <laughs> Dallas Cowboys hat, the mirror shades, and then in all black. Okay, so in the in the movie Matrix, you know, near the end when Neo finally real uh, before he completely realizes he's the one, the agent's up there and he shoots the gun at him, right? And he does that iconic scene where he leans back and he like flails the arms out and the bullets pass him by. 
How flexible do you think Mike McCarthy is? Do you think he could do that? Uh, Mike McCarthy's <laughs> Mike McCarthy's or is the agent hitting every every shot. You know, if you watch the old Raiders, like the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the old Indiana Jones. Oh yeah, where iconic Harrison Ford was in his mid to late thirties mm-hmm. for the first one, and then basically the originals. He's like anywhere from mid thirties to like early forties, mm-hmm. where he's still limber, he's still athletic, he could still do a lot of the the moves that are asked of him for an action movie. <laughs> Mike McCarthy at that point would have been about like Harrison Ford by the time he got to the the Crystal Skulls <laughs> remake one where he's still doing all the action, but you can tell it's like, I like that movie. it's an older man that he's not as limber. He's not as fit as he used to be. He can't really do the action scenes and you can tell the difference. <laughs> Mike McCarthy would just be like a falling over barrel roll to get out of the way. <laughs> oh, 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 you got me. His, his plan would be more like uh, Neo at the end where he's getting shot. And, yeah, he, and he's like dying, but then he can like revitalize himself. Big Mike would just like say, "All right, just shoot me." Well, if you watch Matrix Four, the the newest one that comes out makes uh, Revelations. N- Neo is pretty sl- not very limber. <laughs> he's he's kind of slow. Oh, that's because Keanu Reeves has got to be like in his late fifties, early sixties. Yeah, and I think all the John Wick movies caught up to Keanu Reeves too. Yeah. All the training. <laughs> Our guy G-Dub says, remember the story of Big Mike getting in a fight at his, do- at his uh, stepson's basketball game in Pulaski? <laughs> it happened the year he got fired. <laughs> the year after he got fired. Oh, I remember. Mike McCarthy got kicked out of a high school basketball game because he was really giving it to the ref. What this? I mean, Mike McCarthy saw a, a teaching moment for a young referee and wanted to, wanted to build him up. And people thought he was trying to tear him down. They kicked him out. Unbelievable. Well, I love that we bring up Mike McCarthy here because technically when the Dallas Cowboys hired him, he was a retread, mm-hmm. a Super Bowl winning retread, yeah. but a retread nonetheless. He was a guy that looked like in 2018 when him and Aaron Rodgers were bickering back and forth and having their disagreements and it was clearly coming out on the field. And everyone could see that they're butting heads and this wasn't going to work anymore. That he was, his time in Green Bay had ended. Yeah. Like all things, it was time. Yep. All things come to an end. Well, he's a retread. He gets hired at Dallas. And for the most part, you would say that Dallas has been pretty successful. Or I guess without winning a Super Bowl, they've been more successful under Mike McCarthy, in my opinion, than like Jason Garrett. Yeah. And if Dak doesn't break his foot ankle that one year, you wonder what could have happened as well. But yes, they have been successful. So talking about coaches and retread coaches, you saw how Bill Belichick won't be coming back to the Patriots. You see how Pete Carroll was basically asked to take a new role. You're done as the head coach. So I told you I was watching some of those shows on FS1. Mm-hmm. And after the first things first, the speak came on. And it was LaShawn McCoy, Emmanuel Acho, Joy Taylor, and uh, James Jones. They were talking about coaches and they were talking about Pete Carroll because he had the news had just broke Mm -hmm. and they were saying how he's 72. You know, they were still saying that he earned a lot of respect in the NFL. Like he is a good coach. He won a national title in college football. He won a Super Bowl in the in the NFL. He's been to multiple Super Bowls. He was essentially in multiple national championship games. This guy's a legitimate coach, but but it was time. And they were going back and forth about his age. Do you think he's done coaching? Mm-hmm. Do you think he could get another job coaching? They're all basically saying, 
you know, maybe if you were in a in a spot where you thought you could win a Super Bowl in like a year, year two, maybe three years, because he's seventy two. How much longer is he really going to be able to do it? And then they got talking about head coaches, and Andy Reid got brought up because LaShawn McCoy played for a second for the Chiefs, and he was talking about how it didn't look like some of these young players were continuing to develop under Carroll like they used to, where he saw it every year he was in Kansas city guys would get better and better and better under Andy Reid, and Andy Reid is 65. So he's starting to get up there as well. Bill Belichick, I want to say is around 70. Uh, Nick Saban was around 70. Well, then they started talking about head coaches that were on potentially the chopping block. And, one of the coaches that was talked about earlier in the year about potentially getting canned was Mike Tomlin. Now, a lot of people see Mike Tomlin as a guy that is older. That's what that's what I don't, that's what half of the panel was arguing is that Mike Tomlin was older. Mike Tomlin's fifty-one years. I don't old. perceive him as old. So they start talking and saying all this stuff and LaShawn McCoy and Emmanuel Acho agree and say, if I was starting a football team now, Pete Carroll is out. If I was looking to win a Super Bowl within like a five year span, I would a hundred percent hire Andy Reid. But if I'm looking as like a, we'll just say for fun because the bears were thinking about uh, firing Eberflus. If you had a bears type organization, Mm -hmm. You would look to build this organization and build this team with a young up and coming mind because all of the young up and coming minds have been super successful. They named Kyle Shanahan, who's in his early forties. They named Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur is what just turned 40. He's in his early forties. They named Sean McVay. That's right around 40. All those same guys, they all came from the same tree, but Zach Taylor for the for the Bengals is like in his late thirties, maybe got to 40 by now, but they were all young minds Mm -hmm. and they were going on and on. And James Jones finally looked them in the eyes and said, you're telling me right now that you would hire an inexperience, a guy with no head coaching experience that would be seen as an up and coming young mind, but has never done that before to build a program over Mike Tomlin, a guy that has never had a losing season, a guy that has won a Super Bowl, a guy that has played in multiple Super Bowls, a guy, a, a guy that he takes every bit of talent that he has and gets the most out of it. And they said, yeah, well, look at the Steelers and, this year. They had the neg- <laughs> they have negative point differential. Their, their defensive and underlying statistics say that this team should be bad. Yeah. And they both agreed that they would take a chance and a gamble on a young up and coming coach because that's what the NFL is. It's young players. It's young guys that got to, I'm I'm sitting there like my jaw is on the recliner. Why would you say that? Going, if Mike Tomlin was fired today, I would consider him over LaFleur. <laughs> now, I know that's not going to happen, but in, if I was purely starting an organization or a team from scratch as a general manager, uh, I want my, Mike Tomlin yesterday. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The fa- like there's. By the way, I, he was the youngest coach ever to win a Super if, Bowl. And if I'm bringing in Mike Tomlin, I might go and try and find a guy that's a quarterback's coach or like an offensive assistant that might be seen as a a coveted, you know, up and coming mind. And I make him the offensive coordinator. Yeah. 
My yeah. Tomlin has been phenomenal. Why? I couldn't believe Mike that. Mike Tomlin is the reason the Steelers are where they're at right now. And then one of the, I think it was LaShawn McCoy, it's like, well, I mean, he's just living off of a good defense. And James Jones comes back with, he's the defensive coach. That's his defense. They're always good because that's him. And they're like, well, you know, and they like they went back and forth. We want to. I, I I couldn't believe that they would not take Mike Tomlin. That's absurd. Who would say no to Mike Tomlin? That's totally absurd. No, fifty one is not old when you're talking about seventy two year old Pete Carroll. That's twenty one more years. Now the build the the Bears are trying to build the Matt Eberflus. He's fifty three. Like he's older than Mike Tomlin, and he hasn't had nearly the same success. <laughs> huh? I, I mean, couldn't believe what they were saying. That's it absurd. Was, it was wild to me. Now, the Packers are one of those teams that try to, like, Matt LaFleur was kind of unproven, right? He was, about, was 40, 41 when he was how 40 about years 2019? old? How about 2019? Say Mike Tomlin would have been LaFleur's fired. LaFleur's 44 in, now. Say Tomlin would have been fired the same year as McCarthy. Would you rather have had Tomlin or LaFleur? Tomlin. And I'm telling you, Tomlin ain't having a year off like McCarthy did. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, at that time, I would have taken him 100 times o- over. Mike Vrabel's 48. Someone's going to scoop him up real yeah, quick. Yeah, there's, there's no Do way think he's, he's going unemployed next year unless he wants to be unemployed. I, I just can't I can't agree with the take that you wouldn't take Mike Tomlin because he's considered old. James Jones was losing his mind. That's so that's one of the reasons why I couldn't take a nap yesterday, right, Rowdy? You were just no, I was, dumbfounded. all of a sudden I was like, like huh? into it. I'm like, huh? this can't be your take. Uh-huh. Th- this can't be your take. <laughs> and it was the take of two of them. Yeah, two of them. Wow. I just, I couldn't believe it. And when, and when they were talking about, well, Mike Tomlin, uh, blah, 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 they haven't won a playoff game in like five years. And James Jones is like, their quarterbacks, they've played three this year. <laughs> their quarterbacks were uh, Mason Rudolph in the past. Yep. And I, I know he's the best one now, but just think about it. Pickett? <laughs> Trubisky? Rudolph? Rudolph in the past? Remember, um... <laughs> Duck Hodgins, <laughs> he got those teams to playoffs. Yeah, to, to say that you wouldn't take Mike Tomlin at scan <laughs> for he, CTE now. When he had a good quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, who's probably a Hall of Famer, at least borderline. Yeah, he went to multiple Super Bowls. He won a Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about here, guys? Oh, those shows, unbelievable. <laughs>